Well, welcome back to our series, Summer in the Psalms. Um, last week, we looked at Psalm 51, uh, where David's cry of his heart was about the brokenness that he had and what God was doing in his life. And if you remember the storyline, uh, Psalm 51 came out of uh, after David's affair with Bathsheba, where he had committed adultery and where he had her husband murdered. And uh, this man, who was supposedly a man after God's heart, uh, just kind of fell to great depths. But in those depths, aren't you glad that God doesn't just leave us there? But he broke David's heart And out of that brokenness, David writes this psalm, and it's just a great word of hope and encouragement to all of us. You know, what's interesting is when you go through Scripture, what you discover is that every person that God used in great ways, he broke them deeply. And it's out of brokenness that God does his best work in us. And that's what we're talking about. I introduced that last week, talked about what brokenness looks like. Today, I want to come back to Psalm 51, and I want to, I want to talk about how God uses brokenness to, to really do some pretty incredible stuff in our lives and what we can learn from that. I want you to look with me. We're going to read Psalm 51 uh, from the New International Version. We'll throw it up on the screen. We have New International Version Bibles in the pews. If you'd like to, to, to read it from one of those, you're more than welcome to. And by the way, those Bibles are our gift to you. If you need a Bible, feel free to take one home. Have a friend who needs one, feel free to take one for them. Uh, we want to make sure you've got the Word of God. Listen to the cry of David's heart. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and you are justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. I love this. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and make my tongue, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is what? A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, you, O God will not despise. Listen to these last two verses. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. I just think it's interesting that those last two verses of that scripture, 
uh, David is asking for God to bless the country. He's basically saying, bless us again as a, as, as a country. And I think it's interesting that David first walks through this whole psalm of thanking God for the brokenness that's happening in him. And he's saying, Lord, change me from the inside out. And after going through all of that about, Lord, pour your spirit upon me, take me to where I need to be, make me the man I need to be, then you can make this country the country you need it to be. I just thought it was interesting since we just celebrated the 4th of July this last week because we often, as, as, as the church, we often talk about uh, our desire to see God do some restorative work in our country. You know, we desire this to become truly a nation that is one nation under God. And, and we talk a lot about what we want God to do out there, but don't miss this. David says, whatever happens out there, it begins right here. In other words, if we want God to break our country, we have to allow God to break our hearts. Brokenness is the pathway to change. Now, I want to go back, I want to, go back to the psalm for a second. And I just want to talk about how God uses this brokenness to really make us better. And I want to give you some thoughts and ideas because every one of us along the way, let's kind of all get to the same page. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Amen. All. Now, when the Bible says all, how many of you think that might mean you? Yes. How many of you are sure it's the person next to you though? You're, you're, yeah, you're, you're sure of that. Okay. And so, so we all, we all have these places where we fail in life and we fall short in life. And so brokenness is something that we all need to experience on the journey. So what do we do with that brokenness when it comes? Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Here's the first one. This is critical. Think about this. The earlier we allow God, uh, our hearts to be broken, the less destruction we allow into our lives. Let me read that again. The earlier we allow our hearts to be broken, the less destruction we allow in our lives. You know, in the storyline for David, what you find is that David shouldn't even been where he was when he had this, when he started looking at Bathsheba. It says, and when you go back to 1 Samuel, it talks about the fact that, or 2 Samuel, it says that, that this was the time of year when the kings were to be at war. And David was supposed to be out away, but he wasn't. He was there for whatever reason. He wasn't, wasn't where he was supposed to be. He goes up on the roof. He sees this woman taking a bath. Rather than turning away, he locks his eyes on her, and that look turned to lust, and that lust turned to him calling for, and he has the affair, and that affair turns to deception as David finds out she's pregnant, and that deception leads to murder. Now, here, here's what I want you to understand. David could have stopped this anywhere in the process. David could have, you know, he could have done what he was supposed to do, go to war, and none of that would have ever happened. Or he could have, when he saw this woman up there bathing, he could have done what men of integrity do, and that is he could have turned away and not looked at her. And, and when he caught himself looking at her, he could have said, you know what, I shouldn't be doing this. He could, he, he could have stopped this anywhere along the way, and he would have prevented so much pain and destruction that happened in his life. And I just want you to get this. You see, I promise you, it wasn't, it was, when Nathan the prophet confronted David, it wasn't the first time that God had been speaking to him. God was speaking to David everywhere along the way. And when we hear God speaking to us, that's when we need to let God in. Does that make sense to you? It always reminds me of the, of the story of the prodigal son. 
And uh, in Luke 15, where it talks, Jesus talks about this father who had two sons, and, and the younger one said, give me my share of the inheritance, and the, the father gives it to him, he takes off, and the Bible says that he spent it on wild living. And, and, and he ended up in the, when he had spent everything and all of his friends were gone, then he's in a pigsty. And the Bible says he was starving to death and he was so hungry, he wanted to eat what he was feeding the pigs. And the Bible says in this point, he goes, then he came to his senses. Now, I always think about that story, how that story could have been different. You know, some of us have lived a wild life for a time or two. And wouldn't it, wouldn't it have been better if that very first night that this kid got this money and he went out and he partied hard and he, he drank hard and he was out with his friends and he woke up the next day and he's sick as a dog and he's got a massive headache and a couple of his friends have stolen some stuff from his house after this party's over. And he wakes up and he looks around. Maybe, maybe that would have been a good day to say, I don't think this is the path I want to be on. You know, you don't, look at me, just hear my heart. You don't have to lose it all before you turn back to God. Amen? The moment we begin to hear the Spirit of God touch our heart, that's the moment that we should turn back toward him. I love Hebrews three fifteen. He says, remember what it says. Read it with me, church. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. In other words, today, if God is speaking to your heart, look at me, turn to him. Don't wait till it's cost you so much that you have nowhere else to go. The earlier you come, the less destruction you'll allow in your life. Let me give you a second thought. When you feel that guilt, when that brokenness comes to you, let that brokenness lead you to grace and not take us to shame. Let that brokenness take us to grace and, and not take us to shame. Now, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict men of their sin. And that guilt that the Holy Spirit imputes in our heart is, is basically this prick of our conscience where God is saying, you're walking away from me. Come home come home. That guilt is not meant for God. It's not God trying to tell us how bad we are. It's God's warning signal that we're on the wrong path and we need to turn around. And that's the part where, where oftentimes for those of us who have sensitive consciences, when, when we know we've messed up, instead of turning back toward God, we get overwhelmed with shame and we let the enemy take this, this feeling of guilt and he turns it into shame. He starts telling us, you're unworthy, you're unwanted, you're unloved, you're a failure. And those feelings and emotions begin to drive us away from God. The enemy wants to isolate you in shame where God wants to draw you back through his arms of love. Does that make sense to you? Now, it's, it's one of those things that for, for some of us, and again, because I came out of a shame-based background, so this is a, kind, of a, kind of a point for me. But how many of you are like me, man, and you become your own worst enemy whenever you mess up? Anybody else like that? I mean, man, I just, I just beat myself up over and over and over again. And again, the enemy just wants to take it. He just wants to jump on you and he wants to beat you up. And sometimes for some of us, we have a hard time really forgiving ourselves. Um, I saw there was an interview with a guy who was a really, 
really crazy. Um, a guy named Dwight Samples, uh, several years ago, he was on his way home from work and uh, pulled up to a light on a highway, to drive, just driving home. And, uh, you know, young guy, kind of full of himself. And, and another guy pulls up beside him in the other lane. And the guy starts going, wham on, on, just revving up his car like, you know, you want to race. And so Dwight Samples decided he was going to race this guy. And so the light turns green, and man, they just tear off down the highway. And they're flying down the highway over 100 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, Dwight Samples looks up, and traffic has stopped. And he slaps on his brakes, and he skidded over 300 feet, but still crashed into the car in front of him, which crashed it into the car in front of them, just mangling the car. When he finally kind of you know, got, got his senses about him. He, he was okay, and he, he got out of his car, but he could tell the car in front of him was badly damaged, and he, he went around, and the door was all crushed, and so he got it kind of up on the windshield to look in to make sure the passengers were okay. And if you can imagine his horror when he looked through the windshield, the person driving the car was his mother, and she was dead, and he killed his mother and the woman who was riding beside her in the front seat, there were actually four passengers in the car, and his mother and the other woman were dead. And, and Dwight Samples ended up getting charged with vehicular homicide and was sent to prison for uh, four to ten years. But in the interview, they, they were talking, he was talking about how this is the mistake I could never forgive myself for. This is the mistake I, I will live with all of my life. And, and he began to talk about no matter how, how, what he had been through, that he, he just struggled to forgive himself for this. And, you know, and sometimes, come on, it's just us. Sometimes some of us look back at some of the stuff we've done, some of the people we've hurt, some of the things that we, we've been through. And it's really, really hard for us to forgive ourselves. But here's what I want you to know. God can still forgive you for the things that you can't forgive yourself for. I want to say that again. God can still forgive you for the things that you can't forgive yourself for. You see, being right before God has nothing to do with your ability to forgive yourself. Being right before God is not about you giving yourself grace. It's about God giving you grace. Amen? Does that make sense? I, and I love how David says this in, in the psalm, very first verse. He says, have mercy o God, on me, O God, according to what? Your unfailing love. Circle the word your. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your, circle it again, your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. In, in other words, David's saying, Lord, I'm going to struggle with this, but Lord, according to who you are, according to your great love, your great compassion, you can forgive me for the things that I struggle to forgive myself for. That's why I put that on your outline. God forgives us according to his unfailing love and compassion, not ours. I love Psalm 103, verses three and four. Read it out loud with me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. I love this so much. There's a great story of Jesus in the, in the Gospels where there is a, um, Jesus was in a house and he was teaching. 
And they, four friends brought one of their buddies who was lame. And they, they wanted Jesus to heal him. And so they got to the house, but there was no room. They couldn't get in. There was too big of a crowd. And so these guys got really creative and they, they carried their friend up on the roof and they cut a hole in the roof of the house. They kind of pushed all the stuff back here and they, they dropped their friend down through the roof in front of Jesus. Now everybody's watching is this lame guy, this man who's on a mat, he can't walk. He's low in front of Jesus. And the Bible says, really interesting, the Bible says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, anybody remember what he said? Your sins are forgiven. Now here's a guy who the friends are expecting Jesus to heal, but Jesus doesn't heal him. He says, your sins are forgiven. And the religious leaders are thinking to themselves, well, who in the world does Jesus think he is? You know, who can forgive sin but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he looks at them and he says this. He says, what do you think it's easier for me to say? Do you think it's easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to say, rise, pick up your mat and walk? And Jesus said this. He goes, and just so you know that the Son of Man has the ability to forgive sins, watch this. Rise, pick up your mat and walk. And the man stood up, picked up his mat, and walked away. Now, here's what I want you to do. This was Jesus pointing back to verses like this from the Old Testament to say that God, he was God in the flesh, a God who was both a healer and a redeemer. Now, this is, this is really good. That's why I, I put that, that passage or that statement on your outline that says, you know what? The same God who can heal the deadliest disease can forgive the darkest sin. You see, sometimes when we struggle with shame, it, again, it's just hard for us to forgive ourselves. But if, if we believe that God can heal the, deep, the, the, the most dreaded diseases that we have, he's the same Lord over our body as he is our spirit. And so if he can heal our bodies, look at me, he can forgive your spirit. Does that make sense to you? I, I love uh, when in David in the, in the psalm, he says, um, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Now that doesn't really make a lot of sense to us, but it did to them. Throw that picture up on the screen. Uh, this is what hyssop looks like. And if you, if you track in the Old Testament, um, you'll see that hyssop was used by the priest uh, to perform purification rituals. Uh, if somebody had a, a skin disease, uh, once that disease had healed up, they had to be isolated from the community, but once that disease had been healed up, they would go to the priest and they would show themselves and the priest would inspect them, make sure that they truly were cleaned of the disease. Then the priest would take this hyssop and they would dip it in water and they would go around the, the house of the person who had, who had had the skin disease and they would sprinkle it all over, all over the walls and all, all over everything. And it was a symbol, that, that cleansing, kind of like, uh, like a baptism. That it, it was this, just a symbol that this house is now clean. So the hyssop had a cleansing, had a cleansing notion to it. And that was kind of the, 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 sim, the symbol, uh, what I want to say, the symbolism behind it. That, that was what, what David was getting at. But there's another piece to it too. If you remember the story of when the, God's people were in Egypt 
and they were about to come out and how they were going to send the death angel over through the, the camp and uh, they were going to, to kill the firstborn. You remember, you remember that story? And the, the, they were to take the blood of the lamb and they were to put it over their doorpost and every doorpost that had the blood of the lamb over it, the, the angel would do what? The death angel would pass over. That was kind of the beginning of what we know as the Passover, what they celebrated. Well, again, if you go back and read the story, they took hyssop, dipped it into lamb's blood, and put the lamb's blood above, above the doorpost. So it had both, the hyssop had this idea that it represented the blood that covers us and the water that cleanses us. And all I want you to get is this. The same God who can heal your body, he's the same God who can forgive all your sins no matter what we struggle with or what we've done, God's grace is greater. Amen? Amen. Third thought I want to give you is this one. It, brokenness, when we really allow God to break us, it allows God to turn our messes into ministries. This is so cool. It allows God to turn our messes into ministry. Um, David says it this way in Psalm 51, 13. He goes, Lord, if you, when you do these things, he says, then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. In other words, Lord, as you've done this for me, now I can tell others what you've done so they'll know you can do this for them. This was the same, <coughs> the same idea of the apostle Paul who was uh, a zealot who used to kill Christians before he came to Christ. And after coming to Christ, now he sees what God can do and he opens himself up now to God being able to use him. And he becomes this great apostle, this guy who everybody was scared of, now becomes this church planter that's on fire from Jesus everywhere he goes. Paul writes about this in 1 Timothy 1 when he's talking about all the things he did. He called himself the chief of sinners. Look at what it says. Read it with me. He says, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others too will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I put the statement on your outline. God's grace takes our past and washes it clean, but God's greatness takes our past and makes it a platform for his glory. I want to give you just a, a, a personal example right here in our midst. We all, we all have stories of how God has taken what the enemy has meant for evil and redeemed it for good. But I, I wanted to hear, let, let you hear it from, from someone this morning. Um, it's actually a special day that I didn't even know about. Tammy Smith uh, heads up our Celebrate Recovery program here at Chartel, uh, a program that helps people who are dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups uh, really find healing and wholeness on their life. And Tammy is someone who understands what it's like to fail greatly and someone who knows what it's like to be broken, but also someone who knows what it's like to allow God to take the messes of our lives and make a ministry out of them. Tammy's going to share and come and share her story. Would you welcome to the stage Tammy Smith, please? Yep. Well, hello. Sorry, I'm a little gimpy. I'm going to have a hip replacement in about three months, so. <laughs> Anyway, I'm Tammy. I am the ministry leader for our Celebrate Recovery at Chartel Church. 
And um, when Steve asked me to do this, he did not realize that it was 21 years ago today that I started my journey of recovery. And so it is my 21st sobriety birthday. (laughs) 21 years ago yesterday, I was in the darkest place that I'd ever been in my life. And I had no hope. I had uh, no future. I was, um, didn't have a home. I didn't have anything. Um, and I was searching for my next high. And uh, during those times, you know, I still, I didn't know how to get out of it. I didn't want to be where I was, but I didn't know how to get out of it. And, and I would pray, Lord, you know, I don't know how to get out of this. Please get me out of this. And he did. Um, I started a, uh, an 18-year prison sentence. I had actually 69 years with all my charges, um, and I spent three and a half years in prison. Um, I call that my Jonah experience because I spent three years in the belly of the whale. So, um, but, you know, God used that time to change my heart and to show me who he was And then to show me who I was, because I didn't know, you know, I I spent all my time trying to be somebody that I wasn't, or that I thought that you wanted me to be, or you wanted me to be, and and I never knew who I really was. Um, You know, I started at a very young age, um, smoking pot and doing things I shouldn't be doing, and uh, it was the 80s, it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right? So... um, had a baby at a very young age um, and was a child with a child trying to raise him and uh, not doing a very good job at anything that I did. And um, it took uh, me going to prison um, after, mind you, three times of going to jail. I went to jail three different times. And each time, you know, I pray, Lord, if you'll just get me out of this, I'll do what you want me to do. And I got out and I did the same thing that I did before. I went and I saw the same people and I went to the same places and I did the same things that I had done before. And I was in a vicious cycle that I couldn't get out of. And the only way I could get out of that was through God's intervention. And uh, when he did, he he did it in a mighty way. You know, um, I... Laid my life down, gave my life back to the Lord um, while I was at Oklahoma County Jail. Um, And I started my uh, recovery journey. While I was in prison, I I just dug in and I wanted to learn everything that I could about the Lord. And I did every Bible study from every denomination that's known to man. And um, I could tell you what every one of them believe. And and, uh, so I, I took all that and... Through all that, I figured out that that none of that mattered. None of the beliefs that this one believed or that one or this one or that one. It was all about who I had in my heart. And and, uh, I decided that I wanted to do prison ministry um, while I was in prison because I had so many people come there and minister to me and show me a different way of life. And... Um, when I got out of prison, I, um, well, actually, I was still 
at a halfway house, and this little couple named Jack and Pat would come and get me um, and take me to church every Wednesday night. And they started telling me about this program called Celebrate Recovery that they had there. And I was like, yeah, I don't need that. I don't need that. I'm good. You know, I'm never going to do drugs again. I, you know, I'm healed and delivered. And uh, so anyway, when I did get out, I thought, well, I'm going to go check it out. You know, maybe I could give them some insight or help somebody there. (laughs) And uh, the first night I went, I met this little lady named Carol. And she was the leader of a small group. And her daughter was going through my exact steps that I had just went through. And she'd went to Celebrate Recovery to try and get closer to her daughter and figure out why her daughter was the way that she was. And what she figured out was is that Carol needed to work on Carol. And she had a lot of issues. She'd never done drugs. She'd never drank in her life. She'd been a Christian her whole life. But she had so much built up in there that she didn't even realize the anger, the resentment, the hurt, all of that. And I instantly bonded with her. We went through my very first 12-step together. And that's where I learned that I was on the verge of relapse at any moment. Because just because I didn't do drugs or just because I didn't drink or have the bad relationships that I was in, um, I never dealt with what was really going on. Those were only the symptoms of what my real problems was, and that was my low self-esteem. That was my abandonment issues. That was my codependency that I needed to deal with. And until I dealt with that, it could have been, I could have been right back where I started from. And I had to learn how to do all that. Now, once I got saved and got out of prison, life was not just a paved road for me. It it's, it's been hard. It's been difficult. I've gone through a lot of things. But I've also learned that I have to keep God in my life as number one. And I have the tools um, to deal with life on life's terms. Sometimes I don't always do it right. But, you know, I, I try. And um, I give all the glory to God. Um, those experiences that I went through through my life, I, I, could have, I could have stopped the first time I went to jail. I could have stopped before I went to jail. I could have stopped at any time. But I'm hard-headed, and I have to learn the hard way. So <laughs> that's what it took for me. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that time because that's where I found freedom. I was never free until I went to prison. I was never free until I was behind those bars. And that's where God was able to set me down and say, this is not what I had for you. This is what I have for your life. And um, he's allowed me to speak life into other people. Did prison ministry for 15 years after I got out um, until it was time to go into a different direction. And that's when we started the Celebrate Recovery here at, at Chartel. And um, I've got to witness many, many lives change. And I'm so thankful for that. And I'm thankful for God and, and uh, that brokenness that I had to go through. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Tammy. 
You know, one of the things I hope you caught was that Tammy and Tammy's story is that, you know, when she rededicated her life to the, to the Lord in prison, that wasn't the end of her journey. Um, that was just the beginning. Because not only did she need God then, I promise you, she has needed him every day since then. And that's the last point that I want to, I want to share with you today, is that when, when, we, when we really come to terms with our brokenness, brokenness should drive us to a greater dependence upon God. It should drive us to a greater dependence on God. David said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew, what kind of spirit? A steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's why I put the statement in your outline. Brokenness not only shows us our inadequacy, it points us to God's sufficiency. You know, years, years ago, when my oldest son, Ben, was uh, just learning how to ride a bike, he had a little, little bicycle that had training wheels on it. And he had ridden that for a while, and um, I, I would taking him up. He wanted to he wanted to learn to ride without training wheels, and so I I, I, I took him up to 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 a little elementary school up there, and I took the training wheels off of his bike, and and I started letting him pedal, and he's pedaling away, and I'm I'm trotting along behind him, holding on to the seat of the bike, you know, and we're going back and forth and back and forth, and he looks back and he sees me holding on. And he goes, let go, let go, let go. I can do it myself, let go. And so I let go. And off he goes, man. He's just pedaling away and daddy's heart was proud as he's zooming down. But I look up and about 25 yards in front of him, there is a tether ball pole in the pavement where the kids played tether bar. You know what tether bar is? You know, have that big metal pole that the ball swings around. And he's heading straight for it. And I'm like, no, Ben, and he's looking down. He's not looking up, and he's just pedaling for all his words. And I go running as fast as I could, and I just wasn't fast enough. And sure enough, man, he crashes into that pole, flips over the handlebars of the bike, you know, hits that black top, and skins his leg all up, skins his arm all up. And I, and I go over there running and pick him up, and he's wailing away. Ah! And, and I looked at him. I looked at him over. I said, are you okay? Are you okay? And he looks at me, and I kid you not, he goes, wait you let go <laughs> why did you let go and I guarantee you we got home and he goes he let go of me mom he let go of me you know that's how we are aren't we we get a, a little bit of kind of vim and vigor in our spirit and we think you know God I can do this and so we stop leaning into God we stop seeking God. We, we get away from his word. We, we, we let go of him in prayer. We stop hanging around the right people. And we think, you know, God, I can, I can do this. And what do we do? We end up crashing and making a mess of our lives. And then what do we say? God, how could you let this happen? Look at me. Just want you to hear my heart. God never intended for us to do this on our own. He made us in such a way that we are to walk with him every step of the way. Amen? I, I wrote a devotional just the other day. It was about remaining in him. 
Jesus said, you know, if you, if you will remain in me, you can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I, I don't know where, where you are on, on this journey of faith. I'm going to ask my prayer partners, would you guys go ahead and come on. But I don't know where you, where you are on your journey of faith today. But wherever you are, here's my challenge to you. Probably everyone in this, in this room, wherever we are, probably, probably could stand to take at least one step closer to God than where we're at. I don't know if there are things that maybe you're on a trail where you know you shouldn't be on. Maybe there's some things in your life that you know God doesn't approve of and you've been wrestling with it and struggling with it. And that's, that's God pricking your heart, wanting you to let go of that, to, 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 to turn toward him before it gets any worse. You know, maybe, maybe you've just grown distant from God. Or, or maybe you've just kind of gotten busy with other things and just kind of put God on a shelf for a while. The song that Chuck's going to lead us in today, it's just, it is my favorite chorus of all time. It's a chorus that says, draw me close to you, God. And I want you to make that the prayer of your heart. The, the, the chorus of the song says, you're all I want. You're all I need. And I want that to let you just, for you to just let that be the cry of your heart today. And where, wherever you are, today, if you're a long way from God, you know what? There's great news. You heard Tammy's story. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done or how long you've been there. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. And today, just like David, just like Tammy, just like Paul, God can forgive you and you can begin a brand new journey. But you don't have to wait till you get that far from him. Today, if you just maybe feel like your arm's distance away, just say, God, I just, I just want to be closer than I am. The Bible says, if you will draw near to God, guess what? God will draw near to you. Amen. Hey, our prayer partners are here at the front. These guys would be happy to pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. We love you. We want to make sure that you're not having to bear the stuff of life alone. So while we sing this, if you'd like to slip out and come, any one of them would be happy to pray for you or pray with you about anything going on in your life. You feel free to do that while we sing, and then I'll close this out in prayer. Our Father today, we thank you for your amazing grace. Grace that has a long arm that can reach us no matter where we are. Grace that is willing to forgive us of whatever our sin is, no matter how dark or how big. Grace that is able to forgive us even in those times when we struggle to forgive ourselves. And Father, that, that chorus today, that's the cry of our heart. We, we want to be close to you. So help us this morning to lean into your presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, for any of us this morning that, that know that we've failed and we've fallen short today, Lord, we, we just confess our hearts. And we pray today the, the prayer that, that, <laughs> that David prayed. Lord, create in us a clean heart. Forgive our sins. Wash it away. Renew ah, a steadfast spirit in us today, Father. Help us to be able to walk with you to stay close to you, to draw near to you, not just today, but every day of this journey of faith. Father, I pray for, for others that maybe like Tammy have really stuck where they are. And they need, Lord, not only a, a forgiveness and a grace, but 
They need a path to freedom. And, and I pray, Father, that you would give us in our brokenness the humility to know when we need to ask for help, and when we need to seek out a, a, a program that can lead us away from where we've been to take us to where you want us to go. Lord, you know our lives better than we know ourselves. And so today, we put them in your hands. Father, again, we thank you for brokenness because we know that it leads us back to you. And it's in your precious name that we pray today. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen.